Hi there, this is Howard, and I want to welcome you to a special holiday bonus episode of both the Off the Shelf podcast with the Susquehanna County Library and the Digging for Answers podcast with the Master Gardeners of Susquehanna County and the Library Association. We've got a couple of things going on. Actually, in this county, there's a lot of stuff going on this time of year with events. Some of them Master Gardener related, some of them not Master Gardener related. So we thought we'd throw them all together and combine because I think both audiences would be interested in hearing this. So here's what we've got. We're going to start by talking about the Thanksgiving weekend and with the library the annual pottery and art sale held at the VFW. So you'll get a little bit more information on that as we start. Then we have kicking off right after Thanksgiving on that weekend is the Kessler Christmas Tree Farm. And we had the pleasure today of talking to Jim Kessler and Jim came in told us a little about his background and the tree farm's background, how to pick out a tree, how to care for a tree, what to do with a tree when you're done with it. So I think you'll find a very, very interesting and informative segment with Jim Kessler. And then, rolling right along, but only about two weeks away, is Christmas in Montrose. And I'm not going to give you a lot of specifics on that because I would say Google Christmas in Montrose or read the local paper but you know what my understanding is is that they even filled filmed a Hallmark movie segment here in Montrose because of the Christmas like attitude and appearance of the Montrose area and the amount of work that goes into this event and the activities that happen it's just I can't even begin to list them even quickly in the podcast format. So all I can do is tell you, you gotta go check it out. I mean, everything from the Leopold chocolates um, roll, the chocolate roll, to uh, the events, the vendors, the story hour, uh, Santa Claus is gonna be there. So there's just lots of vendors. It's a great way to bring out the family and spend a day in Montrose and to really kick off the holiday spirit. So again, search for Christmas in Montrose or check any of the local newspapers here in the Montrose area, the Independent or the Weekender. Um, everybody's got news out about it. Visit and support our local shops and the vendors that come into the community for this special event. And uh, that's really all I'm going to say about the Christmas in Montrose. So now let's go ahead and listen to a little bit about the pottery sale and then our discussion with Jim on the Christmas tree farm. So on behalf of the library, on behalf of the Historical Society, the Master Gardeners, all the people that are involved and we represent in this production, have a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back here probably in about two weeks trying to get our new format off and running uh, in both the Master Gardener series, Digging for Answers, and the library off the shelf. Um, so you're going to be hearing a lot more from us as we get going in the 
upcoming year. And by the way, did I mention that our Penn State Master Gardener podcast, Digging for Answers, is now an award-winning podcast? So if you didn't know that or you're wondering what does that mean, be sure to check out and subscribe to the Digging for Answers podcast because we'll have a segment kicking off our next episode of that talking about the award that we are very, very proud of. And again, that's a state, Penn State, statewide award that was won in September. Thank you very much. This is Howard. And now let's go and hear a little bit about those two events that I told you about. Hi, this is Howard. And now that you're done, or will be done soon, depending on when you're listening to this, of your Thanksgiving feast, have we got something for you to do on Friday and Saturday. And that is the 2022 annual Pottery and Art Sale. This annual event is held during the week of Thanksgiving and it actually runs on Wednesday, so that's before Thanksgiving, Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving, and it runs from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And it's held at the Montrose VFW, which is located on 16972 State Route 706 in Montrose. It's free admission. They accept cash, check, or credit card. A portion of the proceeds goes to benefit the Susquehanna County Historical Society and Free Library Association. So, for this event, masks are strongly encouraged by the organization. And what's there? Well, this is sponsored by the Beyond Pottery Artisans. And it's a program that they do with the Library Association. And uh, there will be a um, door prize drawing. It is, again, free admission at the VFW. And if you're wondering, what do you get there? What kind of pottery? Is just like a mug? Oh my gosh, when you go through, an entire two rooms there at the VFW are filled with all of the crafts that these artisans have created. And it's actually run twice a year, but this is the, probably the more popular one because, again, something to do the day before Thanksgiving if you haven't got the energy to build your pies yet, um, you can go check out the pottery sale. And there's lots of other items in there. So anything kind of an art, pottery, crafts, check it out. Um, and if you want to commission any work, you can talk to the artisans that are there. So for example, this year, if you're familiar with a yarn troll, and if you don't know what that is, go Google it. Look at some of the images. I took a knitting class from the Montrose Adult School and have been knitting each of my grandchildren a blanket over the last couple of years. And you know, sometimes that yarn gets tangled up, but then I discovered the yarn troll. So they may not have one, 
but I'm going to take lots of pictures and see if I can commission one of the artists to go ahead and create one for me. So if you don't find what you're looking for and you're looking for something unique to be created, you may have some success there too. So again, that is the annual pottery and art sale, the Thanksgiving weekend, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday only. That's November 23rd, the 25th, and the 26th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Check it out. Hi everyone. Today we have a special guest to kick off the holiday season, which is going to provide you with some answers and suggestions for a very common topic this time of year. No, it's not Santa, but he does have a nice beard. Maybe he's related. So with us today we have Jim Kessler, who is a Penn State Susquehanna County Master Gardener and is the owner of Kessler's Tree Farm in Halstead, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. It's always nice to be here. And so we've got a series of questions that I'm going to be asking Jim, and we'll see what kind of responses. So, Jim, to start off, can you give us a little bit of history of your personal background, and then what about the tree farm? Tell us about the tree farm. Well, personal background, well, I grew up on a dairy farm in Dauphin County, and I always liked the farm life, but I could never figure out how to make a living at it. So I had to figure out what else can you do so you can make a, a good living. And you're outside in agriculture somehow. So I went to Penn State and got a degree in forestry. And uh, after I finished my military service, I was assigned with the Pennsylvania Bureau of Forestry as a service forester for Susquehanna and Wyoming County. And most of my job would involve education on uh, to private landowners, somebody that might have uh, a, a logger might have approached you and uh, made you an offer to buy your timber. And you don't know if that's a good offer or is he a good logger or is this an on, uh, reputable operation? So you'd give me a call and I'd go out and take a look at the woods with you and we talk about options. Do you have timber that should be cut? Is it over mature? Is it overstocked? Do you have wildlife issues? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? What kind of wildlife? You have too many beavers in your apple orchard or too many deer when you're trying to regenerate a forest. So those kind of issues is what I dealt with during my career. And then I retired. Well, one of the questions always dealt with Christmas trees. Uh, where do you get a tree? Who And the growers would contact me and we'd have various classes and programs throughout the area. Uh, so to get good, honest, factual information, I didn't want to be one of those guys from the government. I, I'm here to help, you know, that kind of concept. Uh, so I want to know the real way. So I, I bought property on Franklin Hill near Milk Can Corners. So I have about 45 acres of land and 10 acres of that is open, so I started a Christmas tree farm after I built my house out there. So I built the house in 78 and started planting trees in 79 and started cutting the first Christmas trees 
about 1985. Okay. So... I was watching one of those Hallmark holiday movies the other night with my wife, and this couple was going to go buy a Christmas tree. And the place they went to was about the size of a fast food restaurant lot. It wasn't very big, and of course they didn't have a very big selection. And you just kind of mentioned about the size of, of uh, your farm and everything, but how big is the tree farm again, and how many types and sizes of trees do you have available if I was going to come look for a tree? How big is it? Well, the area that's planted to Christmas trees is uh, nearly 10 acres. Uh, when you drive by from the road, you can see it, the trees in front of the house. That's about two acres. And back of the house, there's the rest of them. So the majority of the trees are in back. As to what's the difference or how many do we have? Uh, <coughs> if you plant trees at a spacing of five by five, which is common for Christmas trees, you can get about 1,700 trees per acre. Now, I don't have 17,000 trees on the property because I have roads and I have a house and I have uh, headlands at the end of the fields and so forth. So altogether, I figure I probably have somewhere close to 10,000 10, trees. So if you do the math, and you figure it takes about 10 years to grow a tree, I should harvest about a thousand trees a year. Well, that's what the, the book would say, but in reality, you have to subtract for what the deer destroyed. Uh, it's the rut season for deer right now, so the bucks have been out there smashing up a whole bunch of trees, and they'll get over that in another couple of weeks. And we try and thin the herd appropriately as much as we can. Uh, and then during the winter, when the snow gets deep, then you have trees looking for anything green sticking out of the snow. So that's when you might have overnight a herd of deer come in and they just start feeding. And they'll stay there until they get chased out or the snow melts. And if it's at the far end of the field and you didn't go back there in the last day or two, they, they may have done a whole lot of damage pretty much overnight before you before you realize what was going on. So, no, I don't harvest a thousand trees a year, but my goal is to harvest half that many if I can. So, not only the deer, but the weather accounts for some. This year we had a dry period, so a lot of the trees that were planted this year didn't make it because of the dry. Most years we have a wet spring and we lose a bunch of trees to too much rain and there's insects problems and disease problems and all kinds of things that go wrong in a Christmas tree operation just like with any agricultural commodity there's always something that's going to go wrong just about time you think you know all the answers nature throws you a curve and you try again how do you figure this one out so uh, if I can grow, actually sell three to five hundred trees a year, that's good. But right now we are in a lull. The last two years we had to shut down early. We didn't. We sold all our inventory that was ready, and this year we may be in the same boat again. Starting next year, we we should have more trees available, because about seven years ago, we emptied a couple of big patches and 
because of rain and weather conditions, we were able to not grow any for a couple years and then weather improved and we planted a whole lot in it for the next couple of years. So starting next year or in the following, we ought to be able to increase our inventory considerably. We've got a lot of trees in the ground, but we have a lot of small trees in the ground. So this year we might just have two or three or four hundred trees available. And, and if history tells us uh, from the past, uh, we the last two years we were able to be open for about the first two weeks in December and then we were sold out. Okay, well sold out sounds like a good thing to have in a, in a business and everything. So kind of a follow-up question for this and I know this is one I've always heard and I know I asked it when I was much younger and everything about holiday trees. There's so many different types What's the major differences and what would you suggest, let's say, to a couple or a family that would come up and say, we don't know a lot about trees, but what would you suggest we buy? Well, I'd ask a bunch of questions, but there are some significant differences. If you have, for instance, a cat that likes to climb up in the tree, uh, or you have a toddler, which you don't want them to touch the tree, then maybe you want a blue spruce. They are very sharp. Blue spruce will hold a heavy ornament. They hold large ornaments very well. They are sharp and when you go to decorate them they, they uh, would be very uncomfortable prickly. They'll, they'll, they'll poke you and make little droplets of blood on your skin sometimes as you're decorating. But they are sharp so as a result the cat doesn't isn't going to touch the tree. She's going to stay out of there. If you have a toddler and you don't want them to touch the tree, that's the way to go. If you don't want your toddler to get hurt, maybe you want a very soft tree. So the other end of the spectrum would be a white pine. They are a long needle tree. Uh, needles about two, uh, two to three inches long, but they're very soft. They just invite you to touch them but they don't hold an ornament very well. So my solution to that, I recommend instead of putting the tree, the lights on a tree around and around the tree, like most people traditionally do, you go up and down the tree. So you attach the, the light to a bottom branch and go on up to the top center of the tree and down the other side, and attach each light to a branch as you go. So now the light string itself adds the strength to the branches. After you go up and down the tree a few times, you've added enough support, and then you can go ahead and decorate the tree appropriately. As far as scent, I don't, my, my sense of smell is not that well, so I don't smell, but people tell me that they enjoy white fur or concolor fur. White, white fur and concolor fur is the same thing. So concolor smells something similar to a, a tangerine or it has a citrus type smell, but any of the true furs are quite fragrant. They are relatively pleasant to the touch and they grow well in our area. Now, especially the balsam fir and canaan fir, they grow well for us and are relatively insect and disease resistant, or at least they've been so the last couple of years. 
Now there are some insect problems that we have to deal with occasionally, but we've not had an outbreak of, of spider mites in the last few years. So right now, the tree that's most abundant, and if you say, what's the best tree to buy right now? I would say a, a balsam or a canon fir, but some years uh, they, they do better than others. The white fir also has another needle cast disease that is sometimes that sometimes pops up. So we can't rely on the white fur too well, but when they when we don't have the disease problem, white fur looks beautiful. It looks almost it has the look of a blue spruce without the harsh touch. Okay. So there's lots of differences and I'm not going to say what's the best. It's just like what's the best kind of car to drive? Or what's the, what pickup should you drive? Well, if you're a Ford man, you know it's an F-150. If you're a Chevy man, it's a Silverado. Some people think a Dodge Ram is the way to go. Well, that's how it is with Christmas trees. There's They're not all the same, but there's good ones and other ones, and some have different features. And you have to know what you're really looking for and what matters. And if, you're, if it's going to be your first tree, my advice is, just take a walk through the patch and see what catches your eye. I, I, that sounds like great advice. So, um, again, so if you're listening, especially if you don't have a lot of experience with that, just remember, don't worry about all those names. Just remember, what are you looking for? And when you go in, you can ask Jim or whoever help, is there to help you with that, and they'll be able to point you in the right direction. Okay, so the next question is, okay, so I come to your Christmas tree farm. Do I have to drive a truck to get up there? Or um, when, when uh, my tree gets packaged and ready to go, can the tree go in my car trunk on top of the car? Uh, will you load it up for me? How do I, where do I go once I select the tree? And I have to cut my own tree down? Or can somebody do that for me if I'm not good with a saw? Well, most people want to cut their own tree. So we have the saws available. We have carts available, so if it's a muddy day or a snowy day, you don't have to drag your tree out through the mud or the snow. You can keep it clean. So we have the carts available to help keep your, your tree clean till you get it back to our headquarters, back to the house. When you get it there, we will probably shake it if there's anything brown in the tree, old needles, bird nests, grass, maple leaves that blew in from the side. So we'll shake all the brown stuff out. We'll drill it if you need a, uh, if you have a pin type tree stand. And we'll drill it so that it fits on your tree stand. We have balers that will net the tree and package it, make it smaller so it does fit in your vehicle. Now, if you have a, a pickup truck, that makes life simple. If you don't have a pickup, we can see that we're going to make sure you're tree gets loaded somehow. Uh, we can put it, if you have a car top carrier, a ski rack or roof rack, that's good. If you don't, we, we can attach it to the door posts in the car or the bumpers. Uh, we'll, we'll see that you get it loaded one way or another. We have twine that we can use to tie it on. You don't have to bring your own, if you have your own rope, that's good. The one thing that we ask is that you don't use bungees because bungees tend to stretch. And we've had people try and, and work that. And 
it, since they stretch, when you head down the road and you got a 50 mile an hour wind, and it, it twists the bungees around and the bungees can come off or the tree may untwist and we've had people lose trees because of bungees. So we want a rope tie of some sort. Okay. And, and something I learned years and years and years ago is if you don't have a truck and you um, don't think it'll fit on your car, here's a suggestion I'll give you listeners, is offer to bake a pie or some cookies for your great friend that has a truck and say, hey, would you like to do, do me a favor and uh, just take them along for the ride and they can sit and eat cookies while you pick out your tree. Um, okay, so Jim, once I get my tree and I get it home, any advice for how do I care for it and what do I do at the end of the season with the tree that's left? I can't put it in a box and save it till next year. How do I care for it? Bottom line is keep it in water. There are a lot of other products on the market that people, that different organizations sell. And there's homemade concoctions such as Sprite or sugar or Clorox or Coke uh, or dishwasher liquid. And you never know how those things are going to work or where did they ever start with. But the National Christmas Tree Association has done a lot of research because they are the organization that wants people to be happy and satisfied with a, a fresh cut Christmas tree. So they've done a lot of research on the home concoctions and the store-bought materials. And the bottom line is there are some products that are as good as water, but they've not found anything that's any better than just plain water. But now those store-bought concoctions, if you buy a material and it says to put so many drops of this material in the water twice a, a week, well, chances are you're going to remember you to put it in and you're going to fill up the water. So twice a week, you're adding water to the tree. Whether the material has any effect on the tree or not is insignificant, but it does help you remember to add water to the tree. And another important thing is to have a tree stand that holds enough water to last between fillings. Some of the commercial tree stands, they only will hold a, a quart or a pint of volume. They're, those little put together stands with the take on, take off legs, they only will hold a little bit of water and the tree will fill most of that volume. So there's very little water. And what happens is if, it, if the tree dies, dries out overnight, you fill it up when you put it in and you forgot to check it the next day and the following day you come back and the stand is empty and the sap has started to come out and ooze over the end of the, the tree. Once the sap seals the end of the, the tree, the water doesn't come up through it anymore. So a little sap might happen, but I have seen trees that the, the, end of the tree stump was completely coated by the time they took it out of the, and they said it didn't take up any water, and it turned brown, dropped all the foliage. Wow. So have a, a tree stand that will hold enough water, a gallon or two is good, and keep it topped up 
through the season, especially the first and second night. It will take more water the first night than any other time that you have it up. And most trees will hold up for four to six weeks. Uh, there are some varieties. The firs will usually hold up a month. So if you buy it Thanksgiving weekend, it should be up through uh, through New Year. Okay. Hey, uh, I, I, you gave me a memory that I thought of uh, of being an early young man and one of my first Christmas trees I cut down and was on a relative's property. And I remember that relative telling me to throw an aspirin or two into the water. Is there any truth to that? or Because I don't think I heard you talk about aspirin as far as an additive. Well, that the if you put the aspirin in the water, you're going to remember to add the water. Oh, having the aspirin in there doesn't really make any difference as long as you remember to add the water. There you go. So it was just probably a memory thing for it's me. It's a memory. Yeah, okay. Thing. All right. Thanks for explaining that. Um, okay. So, and what about at the end of the season? What do I do with the tree when it's done? It's it's Christmas is over. I'm done with New Year's. Now I've got this tree. Okay. Let's pretend you're in Susquehanna County, rural area, and you've got a, a yard, a garden. You probably need a little bit of mulch over the perennial beds so you, or over the strawberry patch. So you take the greens from your old Christmas tree and use it as mulch. You can cut the boughs out and, and place them over the perennial bed or the strawberry patch. Uh, the main trunk can be chipped if you have a chipper. Uh, another option is to take it out in a field or a fence row and use it as wildlife habitat. Put it in a pond if you have a pond uh, for fish habitat. It's always good to about once every year or two add a different kind of evergreen in a pond just so that the young fry have a place to hide from the big bass. Oh, great. And in case... If my brother's listening to this, I want you to uh, remember the fact that there's another use for the chipper. So, anyway, um, hey, I see you've got on your website that you've won some awards. What's that all about? Well, there, there are various Christmas tree contests. Uh, Harford Fair is a good one, or the Wyoming County Fair. They, they've always had Christmas trees there. And... It, it's always nice to know how do your trees hold up against the competition. Are your trees really as good or as bad as you think they are? I've had people say, no, I can never go to that because I don't have any, any trees that are that good. How do you know until you really try it? And some of the ones that you see at those kind of competitions, the, the best competition is at the farm show in January. And they have growers from all over the state going down there and I've taken trees to the farm show and first prize at the farm show is usually a hundred dollars and the winner of the farm show gets the right to compete in the national Christmas tree contest and the winner of the national contest has the the right to present a tree to the White House and the First Lady and this year that will be Paul Sheeler Paul and Sharon from Lehigh County and they, they are the national champions. And they have done this before a couple of times. They've been past winners, national winners. And Pennsylvania usually does well in the national competition. In the last 10 to 15 years, over half of the national winners 
have come from Pennsylvania. So we do grow some pretty good trees in Pennsylvania, and most of them is from the eastern part of the state. Wow, I didn't know that. So our trees are going down to the White House. That's that's good to know. So um, what's a typical, let's say, six or seven foot tree costing these days? Just a rough cost, because I know I've heard somebody, they were just telling me the other day that they were shocked because they needed to replace their artificial tree. And I guess the price has gone way, way up on it. And I'm not even going to quote you the price of what they told me. But what's a real tree for that six or seven going to run somebody as far as a typical cost? Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to $75. Okay. Our, our trees, uh, up to 8 feet, uh, our trees will max out at, at $60. If it's a perfect tree, nice all around, it, it's a $60 tree. But there are not, God doesn't make too many perfect trees. Everything <laughs> has a little defect here or there. Or the deer took a nip out of it someplace. So uh, most of our trees are in the 30 to $60 range. And one of the anomalies in the operation, people say that they want a, a tabletop tree, a four or five footer. I say, well, we try and get all our trees to be seven foot for our primary market. So if you want a short one, look for the tallest tree in the patch that the deer have destroyed and maybe you have to cut it up at knee high or waist high and out of a 10 foot tree you might get a real nice six footer or something like that. So if you want a short tree look for the tallest and take the top out because the top's going to be adjusted according to what we figure is the usable height. So if the bottom five feet of it is worthless but you got a good six footer we're just going to charge you for a six-foot tree. Gotcha. And I and I remember, too, when you were talking about the tree and about how Mother Nature, you know, God and Mother Nature, they don't make perfect trees. A long time ago, purchasing a tree, and I think my spouse at the time said something about, well, that back part doesn't. And the salesman said, hey, and it was scouts. We were buying from the scouts in those days. Don't Aren't you going to put this tree in a corner? Just put that part in the corner and it won't stand out. And it was a perfect tree. It's probably one of the best trees I ever bought. So there's things you can do to compensate for that. Most, so. most trees, there are very few perfect trees, but most people don't put them in the middle of a room. If you're a bank or a commercial establishment, a restaurant or something like that, uh, the tree has to be good all the way around. Right. But very few homes have a tree in the middle. It's always against the wall or in a corner. So if you have a blank spot on the back side of the tree, that's fine. And we have little bits of yarn that we, at, at our introductory location, and the person first comes up and they look at the map and read the in instructions as to how to get your tree. We have a, a sign with a little bundle of yarn and it says to tie this on the, the good face on your tree. Every very few trees have per, are perfect all around, so put it on the good face, and you can see that when it's in the field. And then when you get home, you don't have to turn your tree around too many times to find which is the good face. Oh wow! What a, what a great idea. Okay, so with that, when are you open for business? What are the hours and the days? And when do when do you start selling these trees? We start selling day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and for, uh, we. We open in the morning on weekends, 
at 10 o'clock on weekdays. In weekends, we're open 10 to 5. Weekends, weekdays, we are open 1 to 5. Monday through Friday, 1 to 5. Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 5. Okay. And that 5 o'clock is, is pretty definite. When it gets dark, it's hard to find a good tree because they don't come with headlights and we don't have lights out in the, in the field. Good good advice. So go early. Um, any last-minute tips for our listeners? Anything you can think of that we didn't cover? Just look for a nice tree. Come and have a good time. It's a good outing. It's a place where you can take the kids, have the kids help choose the tree, and there's always a little kid around that wants to cut a tree down all by himself. So we have bow saws, hand saws, and we let everybody who wants to cut a tree, cut a tree. And the adults have to be there and, of course, supervise and advice. But bring kids and expect to have a good time. Okay, well, with that, listeners, I want to encourage you to, if you're looking for a live tree, or even if you've decided, oh, no, we, we either have or are looking at an artificial tree, it still would be worth the visit to go out and look at a live tree, and it may change your mind once you're out there and you see them and you smell them. But And what a chance to build some memories if you've got family members with you, especially children. So, Jim, I want to thank you for coming in to talk to us and uh, wish you a very successful season. And to our listeners, uh, if you've heard this and you liked it, we love getting your feedback. And I'd love to know if you uh, do visit the farm, you know, let Jim know when you're out there that you heard about it uh, in our podcast. And uh, get back with us here at the library and let us know that you heard about it, that you went out that, uh, and that you had a great day and a great tree. So, Jim, thank you. Thank you, Howard. Come and enjoy Christmas and keep it real. Thank you.